Previously on Lost. <laughs> no, just kidding. Previously on Skylines. I remember a gust of wind pushing my boat down and having to lift upward to reset my aim. I remember dropping my finger on the release and in the rage of the storm, watching in disbelief as my arrow passed cleanly beneath the bull's chest. Clear daylight separated the tiny X shape of my arrow from the black belly of the beast. And now we roll into chapter two of my 2019 archery elk season called Royal Crown. The bull gave a small jump and kicked up his tempo, although with no idea of what, if anything, had happened. My arrow had just zinged beneath him, and I think he had a sense of some sort of close shave. He and the cows around him continued their frantic scurry off the exposed ridge. I didn't have time to consider what had happened to foil what should have been a slam dunk shot. The elk were still unaware of my presence, and I was right in their midst with the violent storm, providing multiple layers of cover for me to take advantage of. Yes, I could have knocked another arrow and almost certainly selected a shot from any of the many elk yet to pass through the window. But this bull was incredible, and without hesitation, I swiveled to my feet and started running parallel to the herd. The break of the ridgeline and mix of timber and downfall gave me just enough cover to pursue the herd as they continued their way down the hill. I was pretty much able to run as fast as I wanted, which was not very fast considering I was wearing a heavy backpack and carrying a bow with a knocked arrow. But I could make out glimpses of the herd as I rallied down the ridge trying to get ahead of the big bull once again. I felt like Kevin Costner in Dances with Wolves. I was practically running within the bodies of elk the way he ran among the first herd of buffalo he encountered. With so much noise from the running elk, the thunder and the wind, it felt like it was a free-for-all and a foot race. Everything was moving too, as branches fell from trees and pine boughs waved in a constant fanning of wind gusts. I caught another glimpse of the bull, such a monster. He was trotting downhill among the rumps of his harem. Wide and heavy, this second look at the bull and his rack sincerely stunned me from this behind perspective. Most notable, of course, were his matching crown points. At least 10 inches long, both protruded from the bases of his fourth points, known as the dagger or royal tines on an elk rack. A trait common among red stags of Europe, this crown feature on American elk is like a genetic artifact that very few seem to reveal. It's not totally uncommon, but this is the first time that I'd seen a crown point in person, much less a matching set. Back in maybe 2004 when calling for my buddy Adam, we encountered a crown point bull. I'll never forget the look on Adam's face and his hand gestures as he described the huge bull that came into our setup. As caller, I retreated backwards in an effort to pull the bull past Adam for a shot. And so in doing so, I never had a chance to see the elk myself. The bull spooked and fled on Adam's draw. However, he became an instant icon in our imaginations of what massive bull elk with extra non-typical points look like. I've always dreamt of non-typical antlers, crown points, and devil tines. Nuances indeed for those of us who can relate to a lust for antler. A few minutes into my high-speed pursuit, the violent front of the storm had given way to much more stable conditions. Although the gusting wind had calmed, it was still raining hard, and thunder and lightning continued to fill the air without a chance for a moment of silence to get a word in edgewise. 
The elk were slowing and cows were beginning to stack up, seemingly debating among themselves how much further to drop. In the franticness of the situation, the herd had really strung out and I couldn't tell where the bull was. I took a knee to scan the animals in front of me, watched to see the ones that were still incoming, hoping for another shot at the royal crown bull. Moments later, a bugle echoed through the towering tree trunks, but its origin was yet further down the slope, informing me that I had not gained enough ground to catch up to him. As I leaned back to rise up and resume my pursuit, sharp and staggering pain shot through my left quad. Another all-too-familiar ailment had returned to haunt me. A crippling pain, I knew exactly what was setting in and how limited my mobility would be until the cramp relaxed. Frustrated, I adjusted my position and decided to call off the hounds, pull out my phone, and document the crazy events that had just taken place. Well, this big storm came over. And sure enough, the elk were right where I thought they would be. And as soon as the storm got close, the cows started talking. So it confirmed that they were where I thought. I was able to totally get in line. They all lined up and were moving along the ridge. I shot and missed a seven-point herd bull, six by six with crowns. I shot him for 30, steep downhill, and my arrow sailed right underneath him. I couldn't believe it. Now, in the moment, the first thing that came to mind was the possibility that my pins had moved. I mean, something bizarre had foiled such an easy shot. Now, I'll be the first to admit, I'm no Robin Hood of the woods. I've made bad shots on elk before. But in all my 23 seasons of hunting elk with a bow, I'd never missed one entirely like that. Well, except for once, actually, when a mechanical component of my bow caused the miss. And I'm going to say right now that that needs to be the next essay I write and record because that story of my very first elk calling encounter is worth sharing. But at the moment, I had to assume the miss on this Royal Crown Bull was due to my sight pins. I've been dogging them, but my leg is cramping up. So I'm going to have to let him go for this storm to settle and see what happens but I don't know I'm worried my pins might have moved or something because I had a chance to watch a whole string of cows go by in front of them and so I was really sure on the yardage and my arrow just went right underneath him I couldn't believe it so pretty pretty frustrating epic epic scenario here though with this storm coming through all this thunder and lightning and rain and hail Elk were still filing past me at a hundred or so yards out as stragglers of the herd made their way down to where the group had slowed. Thunder still filled the air, but without the startling effect it had previously thrashed us with. It was calm enough now to notice the sound of massive marble-sized drops falling from the trees and landing like water balloons with a splash. I kept my eyes on the elk that were still visible letting them pass before making any moves to stand, stretch, and consider my options. First thing I had to do was shoot my bow to understand if it or its sights were amiss. I went into this season with only four premium shooter arrows, one subprime practice arrow, and a standard issue grouse arrow. But now, with my shot at the Royal Crown Bowl, my number one and best shooting arrow was long gone. Looking at a quiver compromised in this way, it's not exactly confidence-inspiring. 
Behind me was a grassy wallow area, and I pulled out my rangefinder to identify a lush hummock of grass about 30 yards. I plucked my subprime practice arrow from its slot and knocked it on my string. Pulling my bow to full draw, I contemplated this moment of truth. If my pins were indeed somehow bumped from position, which easily could happen in the course of hunting, or if they and everything else with my bow was true, and what this would mean for the analysis of my miss. I steadied my aim on the clump of grass and watched with a slanted expression as my arrow drilled the target precisely. Well, that's certainly a relief that at least I don't have to worry about my bow, I said to myself walking up to retrieve my arrow. Bending over, I studied where it had landed relative to my aim and confirmed the accuracy of this practice shot. Pulling the shaft from the grass, I blurted out a muffled, God damn it, as the shaft emerged with a shattered end minus my broadhead and half its length. I looked back at my quiver now in total disgust. Three prime arrows and a practically useless claw-tipped grouse arrow were all that remained. Another powerful bugle interrupted my self-loathing pity party, and I turned to look down the slope. It sounded reasonably close, given that I'd pretty much paused my effort on the herd. Only a few minutes had lapsed since I'd watched the last of the few cows slip from view, and I quickly triangulated where the bugle came from with where I'd seen the caboose of the herd headed. I stabbed the broken shaft of my arrow back into the grass, set my gaze towards the new heading, and staggered downhill, limping in a straight-legged gimp to accommodate my nagging cramp. It only took a few hundred yards before I had elk in sight once again, and as I'd hoped, the herd had settled from its runaway freight train descent off the ridgeline and were now finding themselves calmed down and milling about. Calculating a large loop, I hooked side hill in a large arc and approached the very front group of cows. Rain continued to fall in a soaking mist, compounded by the large droplets that accumulated in the tree branches and fell like melons. After napping in the warm sun prior to the storm, and spectating that tempest as it approached, I'd contemplated donning my raincoat. But as the urgency of that opportunity developed, I found myself in hot pursuit of these elk, and I opted to dive into the storm and continue as I was, with merely a cotton t-shirt and a hooded wool long sleeve. But now, as adrenaline had receded and the tempo of this stock slowed, I found myself soaking wet and deemed a rain layer would be useless at this point. However, a short time later, as I crept into bow range of the leading group of cows, I found myself pinned behind the profile of a large tree trunk as cold rainwater drenched me to the skin. I longed for the layers of warmth stowed just inches from my body and my backpack, yet out of reach and a world away as I remained still to avoid being detected. Controlling shivers became an issue. Elk were mingling all around me, nibbling on various grass and leafy treats. I stood like a scarecrow nailed to the trunk of the centuries-old fir tree. The weight of my backpack pushed relentlessly on my knotted and aching neck and shoulder. I swore I could feel the weight adding up from each raindrop that landed on my backpack, pushing harder and harder, stamping my feet into the ground like stakes. At least I'm still standing and no longer fighting my cramping quads, I told myself. But if you've ever been in this situation, you know. It can really suck to be inside a herd of animals and trying to stay undetected. An inch of movement can become a 
priceless luxury. Half an hour had passed and I was nearly regretting the fact that I'd successfully positioned myself right where I'd been trying to get since this pursuit began. I had shot opportunities available on several cows, but the royal crown bull, as I'd now settled on calling him, was nowhere to be seen. I was frustrated because initially as I tracked the herd, he'd been running at the front of the group while I dogged the back. Now I'd made this deliberate leapfrog to get in front and he'd fallen behind to the back. Minutes passed like hours and all I could see were cows, soaking wet cows that I watched enviously as they shook excess water from their coats like a lab emerging from the river on a hot July day. They stretched, yawned, and chewed their cud as carelessly as could be, while I stood rigid like a crumbling statue, full of aching pains and trying to contain a quickening pace of shivers. It was plain that I was going to be here for a while, as the bull was nowhere to be seen, and from a fair distance I could observe any elk that wandered in my direction. My mind returned to the ridge and the howling wind tunnel in the trees I'd shot through. If it wasn't my bow, then how the hell did I miss so bad? The next conclusion following my pins moving was that, indeed, the wind. I'd never really considered compensating for a shot for vertical windage. But as I re-examined the circumstances, I came to realize that was exactly what had happened. My shot was at a steep downhill angle, and as the wind was gusting down and head on, it all made perfect sense now that my arrow had literally been pushed down, like your hand out the car window when tipped just slightly. Once that fierce wind nudged the point of my broadhead off course, its trajectory was exponentially doomed with each yard it traveled. I recalled the gust as I was taking aim and how I had to lift my bow to get my pins back up on the bull's midsection. Watching my arrow fall so far below the target replayed over and over in my head. I came to grips with the fact that I'd missed because of my failure to compensate for such a strong headwind. But it all happened so fast, I didn't necessarily feel like I'd made a mistake, although it was certainly something I'd learned from. It's simply a risk of shooting at a moving target through a small window. The shot was reflex, with timing entirely out of my control. I was eternally grateful that I missed him altogether, and didn't miss him in the guts. A 30-yard broadside shot is not normally rocket science, but in this case, all the clues I was adding together were forming an analogy that felt very much like exactly that, rocket science. And I imagine the searing heat of rocket thrust, trying to keep my teeth from chattering. Looking back now at my GPS data, from the time I engaged the elk on the ridge to where I stood at the moment, the temperature dropped 22 degrees. Water dripped down the inside of my legs. Royal Crown was nowhere to be seen. The situation was tough, but I was not at all deterred by the fact I'd missed. I was still hunting this bull, and every moment presented new opportunities for me to find success, and what had already transpired really didn't matter at all. Every moment of a hunt is an opportunity, as long as you're willing to stay in the game. When the atmosphere around me finally did shift and swirl, it was a yearling cow who bedded down 40 or so yards below me that first caught danger on the wind. She was not even the elk closest to me, even in that direction, so I was impressed to see her nose the first one to begin the telltale bouncing, scooping motions of alarm. 
By this point, I was actually relieved the encounter was over. Between shivering from the cold and cramps in my shoulder and legs, I was physically and mentally beyond the limits of where I'd like to continue such a high-stakes venture. I was ready to call it off at this point and let everything reset. It took what felt like forever for all the elk to get out of my hair. It was driving me crazy as I so desperately needed to move to get the pack off of my back and warm up. But it was also important not to spook the elk any harder than necessary, so I remained perfectly still. Finally, maybe five minutes later, the last of the elk had sprinted past me and regrouped in the main herd, which of course returned to the area where the bull had remained the whole time. Along with this commotion came the expected resumption of bugling as the community discussed what was going on and what to do next. I was surprised to note that besides a single spike, Crown Point was the only bull. This is exceptionally strange to me for a herd of 30 to 40 elk to have only two bulls, much less only a single branch antlered bull. Even as Crown Point bugled, all the mountains around were silent. Not a peep from any ranging satellite bulls, as I would certainly bet should have been present and responding to this invitation for dialogue. The sunshine felt like a warm blanket, and along with my steady tempo marching uphill, getting my blood pumping again, life returned to my body and soul. The storm had passed, and the sky was beginning to look like nothing had happened at all. A herd of elk were moving on to their next location, sending updates along the way as I listened to Royal Crown light up the mountain air. And then another sound stopped me in my tracks. I imagined it stopped every one of the elk in their tracks too. Wolves. Apparently the temptation was too great, and following all the ruckus, the controversial predators made their first announcement since I'd been in this new area. I stood with my eyes closed and listened hard to the various voices of the pack harmonizing within their chorus. A smile bent my lips. Then something remarkable happened. Contrary to all the anti-wolf propaganda I've ever encountered, Royal Crown fired back at the wolves with a defiant bugle. I wanted to bugle back at the wolves too, and howl with them. All right, that's it for chapter two. I hope you guys enjoyed it and stick around for chapter three, which I have mostly written. And as always, if you enjoy these stories and know somebody else that you think would enjoy them, please do pass that along. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks a lot.